What's going on, everyone? This is KJ Kearney, one half of the dynamic duo that brings you the Fix Your Plate podcast on the Eat, Drink, and Dine network. My other half is Anella Malik of Feed the Malik. I'm in Charleston. She's in Washington, D.C. And today we're going to talk about something you will not expect from a podcast ran by black people who talk about food. We want to talk about draws. Well, that's what we say in the South. We call them draws or underwear. Uh, because there's a lot of good stuff going on in the underwear world that you need to be aware of. And I and, actually, I actually, so this whole episode is not just going to be about underwear. This is another not hot takes <laughs> episode. Um, but KJ knows that the one thing that I want to talk about that's not food related is underwear because, um, and maybe this is just me being me. Uh, I really try to be intentional about how I spend my money. And so I've been shopping for underwear and I always try to look for sustainable brands first, um, organic cotton companies that talk about their supply chain and, you know, their fair trade certified, all that's well and good. Um, and I have a bunch of those underwear and I don't find them to be comfortable whatsoever. So I broke and ordered some skims, which I already had issues with because Kim Kardashian is the co-owner, co-founder of Skims and is problematic. Um, and they're the most comfortable damn things I've ever worn in my life and cute. So it's like, what? You know, I wanted to hate them, um, but I can't and I'm going to buy more. And I just got to square that with myself and my, my thoughts about ethical consumption because... I'm going to wear these underwear for the rest of my life. So what, okay. So what about the underwear in particular makes them like a superior pair in your, in your opinion? The fabric is the softest. Okay. So they have various collections, but I'm wearing, I wear the everybody collection and it is the softest, stretchiest fabric I've ever felt. Like it doesn't dig, it doesn't pull. There are no visible panty lines it literally seems like it'll stretch as much as my body stretches, right? Like I'm not worried about gaining weight and having to go up a size or losing weight and having to go down a size. And they come in a variety of nude shades. So all sorts of medium to dark browns, which for me is important, right? Because I have a medium skin tone. And when companies first started making uh, basics or underwear or even bras in nudes, they often never made them in my shade. They would either be like a much lighter pink or the deep, deep, deep dark browns, actually. They didn't make any medium shades. And so they never worked for me. Um, so the, the skin tone range that they kind of accommodate is really wide and they go up to 4X, which, um, Yes, could be more size inclusive, but especially when we're talking about the compared to the sustainable or more sustainable brands that I typically shop, it's incredibly hard for me often to find things that are a size inclusive. I'm learning so much about women's underwear today. I mean, I really believe that this episode could be about underwear because I recently just started buying underwear again because, you know, dudes, we don't really be caring about that. We don't. We'll wear a pair of underwear until the hole rips through and then we'll just buy more and do it all over again. So I probably have underwear in here. Well, up until this year, 
probably had underwear that was like noble three four years old bro just like re wash and repeat baby wash and repeat but since starting black food fridays i've been more intentional about buying everything black when i can and there is a black owned company that i'm actually wearing right now it's called champs and um and by the way this is a, a disclaimer neither champs nor skims is paying us to say anything nice about them we're just saying nice things because this is what we're doing today. Champs, it's a great company. Um, they have a, a bunch of like boxer briefs type situations, but they're black owned and they have interesting like what one would consider African like patterns. Um, and the only thing I don't like about them is like their seams. Some of the some of the pairs have like thicker seams in the crotch than I would like because I have thick thighs and uh, thick thighs and heavy seams don't go together. But, you know, if I'm not planning on walking two miles that day, then boom, they're perfect. It's awesome. Maybe, you know what? We talked a while ago about uh, opening up our platforms to more than just food, you know, moving more into the lifestyle area. What's more lifestyle than us selling branded underwear? Like a feed the Malik set of skims. What if what if Kim Kardashian reached out to you and said, yo, I love everything you have going on. I love how you use your voice. I love that you speak up for voiceless people. I heard that you like the underwear. Let's do a collab. Like where, where, where are you going with this? I mean, I would do it because I like the product and, but I, okay. I'll tie this back to food. Watch me do it. Watch me Ooh, do it. Watch it. So, um, right. We have to think about our food system as situated within our capitalist system. And I'm, I'm kind of in the boat that there is almost or basically no ethical consumption under capitalism and that we just have to make the best decisions we can with the resources and information available to us. Sometimes that does mean that, you know, I, as an upper middle class uh, woman with no kids and a husband who's also working, can afford to be like, I'm going to spend twice as much on this product because it's certified fair trade. And I, you know, they're very clear about their supply chain. I know where it comes from. And this applies to clothes, but it also can apply to foodstuffs, right? And the way we consume food in our communities, like, can we shop locally? Can we shop from, you know, farms that are... Um, that like try to use regenerative practices? Um, can we choose to buy from small independent businesses that might have higher prices, right? That's a privilege. Um, and so I try to exercise that privilege as much as I can, but I also have to balance that with, um, at least in my platform, I try to balance it with telling people about things that are accessible to them. And sometimes what's accessible to me is not accessible to everyone else because I do have that particular privilege. And I think about this when it comes to clothes and food. So for example, um, I'm what they call midsize in clothing. It means I'm right at the top end of normal. I'm not even gonna say normal because we shouldn't, we shouldn't normalize saying that certain bodies are normal, normal and certain bodies are abnormal, but I am right at the top end of the typical size range for uh, brands, which means that I can sometimes fit into their clothing or sometimes I need plus sizes. So I think the term is midsize. 
And I know that the average woman in America is likely, based on all the data we have, either midsize or a little bit larger, right? So if I find all of these sustainable, ethical clothing brands that sell underwear, but I can barely fit into the top end of the size range, are those sustainable brands accessible to people, to the average woman? Probably not. Um, they are not size inclusive, right? And some sustainable brands are, and they're doing better. And it's something I know that the, that's being worked on in the space, but that's like a really important thing for me and my platform to make sure that, you know, I'm sharing things that are realistic. So I think skims are realistic. They're a little bit pricey, but they'll fit everyone. They're soft. They feel good and they won't fit everyone, but they'll fit more people than a lot of the like sustainable underwear brands that I've tried. And I think about this in the food space a lot because um, I think we have a tendency when we're kind of looking at consumption through this moral lens, we're looking for purity. And I get this a lot from my audience where they're like, oh, you know, those, <laughs> those snacks you tried are in single serving packages. And I'm like, yeah, they are. And I understand that there's an environmental impact from that, but I also understand that the vast majority of working families, people, you know, both partners work and they're not going to be able to shop entirely package free. They're not going to be able to pack every single snack in a reusable container with no packaging. Like it's just not realistic, even though we know in the abstract that, yeah, if we had package free shopping everywhere and everyone used public transit and, you know, we ate seasonally and locally, that it would have a much smaller environmental impact. But that's not realistic for the average consumer, or at least I think for a large portion of my community. So I have to balance that. So if Kim Kardashian said, Anella, we love your work. We want you to be in a Skims, Skims campaign. I'd be like, heck yeah, um, because they're comfy and you know they offer more options than a lot of the other stuff that I've tried. Could they be better? Yes, we could all be better. Every brand, every platform, my work could be better. Um, but it's like this balance between the morals and ideals that like I want to embody and I want to represent in my work and take into account in my personal life, but also what's realistic for me, what's realistic for other consumers. Can we pivot a little bit? You said that every brand could be better. Your brand could be better. What do you what do you mean by that? I think that's an interesting that's an interesting statement to make specifically as it relates to your brand, not other people's brand, but like, what do you, what do you mean that your brand could be better? Well, I don't believe in, I don't believe in purity, right? I don't believe anyone's pure. I don't believe anyone's above reproach or criticism. Um, and so things that I could do better, for example, I, um, I could highlight more, always more black and uh, independent businesses that are owned by marginalized peoples. I could, but I have to balance doing that, which 99.9% .9 of the time doesn't pay with things that pay my bills. Okay, that makes sense. But is that necessarily you, are you, do you feel like you're not doing a good job because you can't post more? No. You know, it hits the term like better. Like, what do you I feel know, like? I mean, so I say, I use this, uh, this term in this case specifically, because 
better, right? It, it has like, it carries this connotation, this sense of morality. And when I say that I don't believe in purity, like that's what I'm talking about. Um, this drive that we see on social media, and I felt this pressure and my audience has come at me with this pressure to speak up on every single injustice that's happening in the world, to use my platform to advocate for every single, you know, wrong to be righted, um, to only buy the most sustainable food products, even if I can't afford them, right? Like all of these things that I could do better. Um, I try to do what I can, but there's always room for improvement, especially when we're talking about um, issues of representation, issues of sustainability, uh, like when we're talking about capitalism, right, and the ways that it uh, shapes our lives. So like, especially if you have a platform and it's 2021, everyone's going to tell you how you can be better. And they do it all the time. Um, especially like <laughs> we see the larger the platform, the more the demands are to speak out on social justice issues, which I completely understand. And I believe that, you know, ultimately creators should have a pretty clear stance on, you know, how they view the world, but you can't ask someone to be an expert on everything. But we do ask them to do it if they have a platform. We'll demand very loudly that they speak on everything from seaspiracy to Palestine to um, uh, now, especially like in wildfire season, we're going to see a lot of people talk about climate change. And part of me wonders how many of them fear, are doing it because they want to talk about climate change or are doing it because it's on the news and they're their communities are demanding that they talk about climate change. Yeah, I, I think that's a very interesting point. I just, I guess my my thought process is if you had the time to talk about every issue that your followers, or your supporters want you to talk about, I don't necessarily know if that would be better, right? Like just because you do it doesn't mean, for instance, here's a really good example. I am an unabashed you can call me an apologist for hip hop culture, right? There, hip hop is beautiful in that it has created a lot of careers and livelihoods for people out of thin air, so to speak, right? And that 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 doesn't just mean rappers. I mean stylists, clothing, you know, food, you name it. There are a lot of people who are practitioners of the culture who don't rap, but have been able to make a living out of it. And I think that's a beautiful thing. There's also a lot of things in hip hop that sucks, um, specifically the unchecked misogyny that I participate in when I repeat certain songs or play certain songs or support, support certain artists, right? But with that being said, I am not the person that expects rappers to speak on issues, right? Like, do I care about a little wayne mixtape absolutely if he drops another dedication mixtape with dj drama i'm all over it do i care about his views on anything outside of rap not really you know like the baby was on uh you know on stage at rolling loud recently saying some of the most ignorant things on god green earth and again i'm not condoning what he says but am I expecting a dude from Charlotte, North Carolina, who, by all accounts, was a street dude, right, 
So was it like he was getting therapy? Was it like he was out here reading, you know, Chotsky or any of these great thinkers out here? Like this dude was in the streets selling drugs, killing people allegedly. I think he has like legit bodies on his record. And now he raps. And and like you want me to be shocked that he doesn't have the most enlightened view of the world? No, I'm not shocked. It doesn't mean that he shouldn't be held accountable, but I'm also not about to jump out the window because the baby shock, the baby has archaic views on homosexuality, right? And so could he be using his platform to speak out on more things? Absolutely. Do I necessarily want him to? No. And I think this is in in line with the entitlement that a lot of people have online. You've said this to me many times, that there are people who come in your DMs and come in your page. It's like, I don't want to hear that shit. Just give me the content. Like, I'm just here for the free recipes and the restaurants and all this other stuff that you do. I think there are just as many people who may want you to speak up. And I feel that you kind of have a draw to do so because you are a good person and you do want to help people and you want to bring awareness to issues for people who may not, you know, that might not be their their path. They might not ever know poverty. They might not never know what it's like to not have transportation or not be in a place where they can get fresh, reliable, organic food. Right. And so I get your desire to want to speak up for those people. But there are probably just as many people who follow you that are like, oh, my God, if she says one more thing about I don't whatever, like I'm done. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know if there's a way to be better other than just being a good person, continuing to be a good person, because there's some food influencers. I don't want to hear about what they think about Palestine or (laughs) like (laughs) or voting rights or like they might open their mouth and say something. And I'll be like, you know what? God, I really like. I mean, you know, I love it because I have really in the last year developed this sense where maybe it's just I'm more confident in my work now that I've been doing it full time for a while. And I know I know what I want to bring to the world. Um, I'm just much more comfortable telling people no, but that doesn't mean that the demands stop. Right. And especially if there's something that kind of ticks up in the news, like right now with Simone Biles and her withdrawal from the Olympics. And, but if, if something like that kind of really starts to bubble in the public consciousness, I'll start getting pings. I'll start getting tagged under other people's posts. I'll start getting DMS about it. And I just ignore it at this point because I firmly believe like we do what we can when we can. Um, and, and even if it makes us uncomfortable, right, we should continue to do those things. But if I allow myself to be pulled in every, every direction, I'll be good at nothing. And I'll have a half-baked opinion about everything. Um, and especially, I know a lot of people were very upset, like very, very upset in my DMs about Palestine. Um, and I was just like, y'all, like, first of all, I cared about Palestine before you even knew it existed because most of you just learned about it from a meme on Instagram. Um, but just because I have like deeply cared about and been invested in this issue doesn't mean it's my job to educate everyone. And I had to explain this to people who are like, but I feel like because your voice is influential and people listen to you, like you're the right person to educate. And I was like, I'm 
also, I'm not the voice that should be centered in this conversation about other people's right to, you know, safety and self-determination. Mm-hmm. We should be talking to and uplifting those people, right? Um, and, and I feel this way about a lot of um, of issues where we're talking about marginalized voices. It's like, just because I have a platform doesn't mean it's my voice that needs to be centered in that conversation. So I think this goes to a very important subject which you've discussed, um, we've discussed offline, and you've also mentioned in previous episodes of the podcast that our society treats Black women like the emotional pack mules of the entire country, right? If there is an injustice, a wrong that needs to be righted, of course we want to hear from Black women because we feel like that's y'all's job. It's y'all's job to pick up the pieces and 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 fix every injustice, Right. Not the fact that y'all don't create these messes, right? Like that goes overlooked. Y'all don't make the messes, but we just expect y'all to clean it up. Like black women were expected to to help that man in Alabama become governor, right? Who then got the job and then hired no black women to be on his staff. Joe Biden, right? Got the job and then did not put black women in, in seats of power. And there's so many examples of, we we as in our society calling on black women to black women to do the dirty work that i'm not shocked that in your dms and because it never happens to me right like i never get a message being like hey man i'm really enjoying this banana pudding content but there's a lot of stuff going on in uh such and such would you mind talking about that like i really love your perspective on things could you talk about that no one cares about what i think they really don't care not not to the point where they'll come in my DMs, right? Like if I say something, then people will comment. But very few, no, I'm not very, never, never in the history of Black Food Fridays has someone come in my in, in my DMs like, yo, I really think you should talk about Palestine or I need you to talk about Jamal Sutherland or Trayvon Martin or, you know, not even stuff that relates to me as a Black man. No one comes in my DMs asking me for that. So I feel for you and other black women who are public figures in the creative space, in social media, because, yeah, man, like I, I, w- I would assume that there's a lot of pressure on your back to be the voice of truth for every single thing. And I can only imagine how tiring that is. Yeah. And it's also, at least for me, now we're going to get real uh, deep. It caused for the first you know, six months of me being full-time, it caused a lot of self-censorship because, for example, my personal sense of humor in private is like pretty crass and sassy, right? Like, it just is. Like, I'm sassy as fuck. (laughs) But I, especially when I first started making videos, my friends were like, you should like make these you know, hop on this trend, you can make it a joke, it'll be really funny. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Um, and they're like, why? Like, it's so fitting for your personality. And I was like, yeah, but it's like sassy black woman, right? And it's like sassy black woman clap back. Um, and I really struggled with that because that is kind of my personal sense of humor. Um, but I didn't want to like lean into the stereotype. And ultimately, you know, I've started kind of sharing content like that recently because 
I just got to the point where I was like, I have to be who I am without worrying about other people's expectations of me. But I'm keenly aware that those expectations do shape how they interact with my account. So, um, you know, people really like my sassy black woman content. And part of me is like, yeah, they like it because I'm funny and it's real. But also part of me is like they like it because it's like a funny stereotype. Yeah, but wow see that's that's also interesting because i can vouch for anyone who's listening and does not know anella personally uh sassy af is a very good way to describe her <laughs> it's a very good way to describe her but i could see you self-centering yourself because it's like oh now i gotta be you know now i'm gonna just like satisfy the fetish of all these people who are just looking at me is this like ooh, she's a firecracker right like uh sassy spicy like you know what i'm saying but then my husband was like but you are a firecracker like that is literally the woman i married and so you know it's hard sometimes to balance being yourself with everyone else's expectations of you and my approach right now is to just be like i don't care i'm doing it anyway uh but again nothing uh nothing is easy when you're trying to navigate a space that's overwhelmingly white the content creation space is still dominated by um by white voices and you're trying to do so in a way that is like authentic to who you are and i think both of us our work tends to push people a little bit um right like you you don't get as much pushback as me but you get the what about white food wednesdays commentary stuff like that where people just really want to i see it as like they're picking at you and they really want to see if they can make you snap mm. And I see similar things uh, with my work where people just want to poke and prod and poke and prod. And, you know, I really try not to give them the satisfaction of watching me snap, though sometimes I come close. I mean, I feel like they might deserve a snap or two, bro. Like maybe you should, you know, maybe not go full scorched earth, but at least like, yo, I'm not playing with y'all. Like maybe a post or two that reminds people that you are a black woman, right? And they you ain't, you ain't gonna take but so much. I think that'd be worth it. Also, if you don't mind, I want to end this episode with a pivot, uh, because <clears throat> I'm legit thinking about becoming a travel agent, and we have not talked about this at all. So this is the first time Anella is hearing this idea. You're a travel agent. Hear me out, okay? So every time I post anything that's out of the ordinary, right? And when I say out of the ordinary, the majority of my followers are on the East Coast of South Carolina or or East Coast of America. So New York, D.C., Baltimore, Charlotte, Charleston, those are the majority of my followers, right? So anytime I post something about Amsterdam or london or africa or on the west coast in la or vegas it never fails i'll have a couple people jumping in my dms or comments like yo if you ever go can i come with you like i'll go i'll go and it's been happening consistently since 2021 right like since my platform has reached a certain level of notoriety there are people who are hitting me up all the time like yo if you do this I'll go with you. So I was talking to my mom. My parents are currently in Vegas as we record this right now. And I was talking to my mom about it. And I was like, yo, 
I'm not trying to plan people's honeymoons, right? Like, I'm not trying to be that kind of travel agent. But I think there is a cottage industry that could be created where people like you and I, who have this knowledge and have built relationships, can make these Black-owned restaurants more than just something that people click and like and share online and make it a real experience for people who want to spend the money and have the, the time to do so. And I'm like, yo, why not? Like, maybe I can't go on every single trip, but if somebody hits me up, it's like, yo, we're doing a family reunion in Texas and we got three days and we're going to be in Houston to Dallas. Can you hook us up with some kind of tour? Maybe, you know, maybe. Why not? Why not offer that as a service? More specifically, if I'm going to be real, I would become a travel agent so I can travel with people. Like, I want the travel. Like, I don't want to just send people on their way. You can Google it if you want to just do that. But like, yeah, I'm thinking about studying for it and taking the certification and and adding that as a very limited service to Black Food Fridays because you know how people be bullshitting. So there's a whole bunch of people who say they want to go to Amsterdam until I'd be like, hey, we're going to Amsterdam February 2022. Put your money up. <laughs> we'll see how that actually works out. But what, what do you think? I always enjoy your insight. And this is a real life, real time what does Anella think? So if it's sassy, I want it. Give it to me. Actually, I just think it's ironic because we have similar thoughts. Um, but I've been sitting on this idea for a long time because I don't necessarily want to encourage people, especially to travel internationally uh, during COVID. I right. still haven't decided whether I'm going to travel internationally anytime soon. But um, I say I don't want to encourage other people because... Backstory, I used to be a U.S. diplomat. <laughs> and in that job, I did consular work, which is like very typical, like you uh, stamp people's visas and you interview people who want to come to the United States. You also do something called American Citizen Services. And my <laughs> biggest takeaway from working doing American Citizen Services is that the average American citizen expects when they travel abroad that if they get in trouble, the U.S. government will come and rescue them. And that is not the case. And so when I think about that kind of reality that I've seen play out over and over again, plus the COVID environment, I say I shouldn't be encouraging my community to travel abroad because I don't want people to think that if they're in a country and the, the rules change, the regulations change, they're forced to go into a two week lockdown and they got to pay for it because they tested positive or something like that, that like someone's going to rescue them because they're not. And so um, in that environment, I'm like, I might still choose to travel internationally uh, as someone who's like a very comfortable international traveler and well aware of the risks. But having seen how the, you know, the American abroad kind of, it's a stereotype, but it plays out over and over again. Like, why can't you rescue me? Why can't you get my son out of jail kind of stuff? I'm like, oh, no, we probably shouldn't be encouraging that. That's an aside. But my thought recently has been when I think it's safer, I would love to uh, lead group trips. And I say lead, like participate in them and encourage people to go and have people sign up, not lead like plan the itinerary, et cetera. I would want to work with people on the ground or an established tour company. But basically, and I've seen some influencers do this, and I'm sure that they're monetizing it like they get a percentage of, of bookings or sales or something. But where they partner with a tour company that's doing an established trip to like a cool destination. 
and they say, okay, it's open, but only for my community members, like sign up using this code and it's going to be all me and like, you know, the 10 of my followers who choose to come along and like they have the itinerary set up. So I've been thinking about doing that because <clears throat> I took one group trip while I was in Jordan to Brazil. It was the last travel noir trip before travel noir stopped doing trips and you know they got sold and all of that stuff so it was a black travel group trip to brazil and it was such an amazing experience because it was like a smaller group everyone there um wanted to travel with other black folks right and so i mean at least in my life experience like not just looking at my black friends but like my my friends in general i'm trying to go on a trip and <laughs> Like you said, KJ, people will say they want to go and they can't sign up. They can't get it together. They don't save the money, et cetera. So I always ended up traveling alone because of that reason. And it was fun, but like sometimes that's not what you want. And so now I think about like ways that I would want to engage with my community. And I've been thinking like, man, it would be super fun to lead a trip um, to Jordan, for example, because like I love Jordan. I'm comfortable there. I can like work with a company to establish an itinerary so I don't have to do the heavy lifting. And then it's like open for Feed Them Lake community members who want to go. And I don't have to wait for my friends who I love, but like might not get it together to come with me. Yeah. So I mentioned this idea to someone. Um, my parents were the first, then spoke to somebody else. And, and I told them the idea and they were like, you know, your biggest hangup is going to be that black people are really quick to flam when it comes to planning trips, right? Like they will raise their hand to go to LA real quick until it's time to come up with that LA money. And I was like, fair, that is true. But also my trips are going to be intimate in my mind, right? I'm thinking six to eight people. I don't want to be responsible for a busload of people. That's just, that's, I'm not with that. Number one. And number two, this is open to everyone who wants the experience. Um, Black Food Fridays, I think as of today, has like 32,000 followers. 75% of them are women, according to Instagram. 75% of them are women, excuse me. And so, number one, Anella, you know this more than anybody or more than I do. If a woman wants to do something, She's putting that bread up off top. She's definitely going to buy the ticket. And, and like I said, this isn't just a black person's trip. We're going to support black owned restaurants. So whoever wants to come support is fine. Um, and I, I do agree with you on the international thing. I'm not ready to do that. I'm, I'm going to be real. I'm not ready to lead anyone outside of these United States of America, but domestically, I think, I think it could work, you know, going to Houston, going to Dallas. And then we have all these relationships with different food bloggers. It'd be an opportunity for them, you know, to to make to make some some bread as well. Um, I would definitely pay people for their time if I go to New York City. Right. And I haul at Dom Dom in the city. Y'all should follow her. If I haul at Dom, I'm not going to be like, hey, Dom, give me like four or five hours of your time for free. Right. If I bring people to Washington, D.C. and you're with me. I'm not going to be like, yo, Anella, you the homie, give me four of your hours for free. Like that doesn't, that doesn't compute to me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to do something like that. But anyway, but what I'm hearing is you don't think it's a bad idea. 
However, international right now, probably not the wave. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great idea. I would love to put something like this together. I just don't have the bandwidth for the logistics. I think you could put together something domestically that would be amazing. My dream has been to do something very similar, but just mostly in the Middle East. Um, Because like I said, you know, so much of my food platform is local, but like I know that my audience has such a limited exposure to that part of the world. And it's all through the lens of like CNN. (laughs) And, um, you know, if we talk about like food being a way to break down barriers and encourage people to try new things and cross-cultural communication, like what better way than through some sort of uh, like trip and food adventure in that part of the world that I love so much. So that has been bubbling and maybe maybe we'll both do it. You do the domestic arm and I'll do the international arm post-COVID, uh, which might be never. Who knows? Who knows when oh this my God. pandemic will end? But Um, I think that there's a hunger for experiences that push people outside of their comfort zone, but also feel safe. And when you're traveling with a group, I think that is what often happens because things you might not want to do by yourself, just frankly, you might, you might not want to go as a solo traveler and maybe you can't get your friends to go like would be fun with eight to 10 people, right? Or would feel safer with with that group of people so you would right. be willing to try it. Right, right. I also need to make sure I partner with, well, I guess I will learn this in my travel agency certification course, but I need to set up really good contracts because if you miss your plane because you missed your plane, I'm not going to be responsible for that, bro. I'm going to try to my best to help you get home, but like, if the plane, if the if the car is coming at noon, everybody knows the car is coming at noon, bro. Don't be the person that wakes up at noon and then expect us to wait. We got to make it move. Either way, do you have any shout outs do you want that you would like to give today before we bid everyone adieu? Uh, uh the one that comes to mind is sassy, so I will hold it in. <laughs> whoa, whoa, what what it Okay, tell me offline then. Oh, uh, because I want to hear this. You perked my ears up just now. Like, it's sassy, so I'll hold it. Okay, fair enough. I would like to give a shout out. I want to give a shout out to um, everyone who decided, like, I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but when I started Black Food Fridays, the idea that 32,000 people would care about where black owned restaurants are and black owned food makers and food vendors are that I, it just never crossed my mind that in such a short period of time without any celebrity endorsements, not like LeBron is retweeting my content or anything like that yet um, that. Yeah. Like 32,000 people would care is, is, is something I don't take lightly and I don't take for granted and I really do appreciate, which is why I keep uh, reaching around the, in, in the recesses of my mind to find more ways to provide value, which is kind of how the whole travel thing came about. Um, I want to keep making this a bigger and better platform. And I appreciate everyone who's decided to ride with me, including Anella Malik, who when I reached out to her, I may, maybe had 500 followers. And you were very kind to me and you gave me a lot of your, your talent, time and treasure. And I am really grateful for that. 
So thank you. I guess this is a shout out to my followers, but also a super shout out to Anella Malik in general. Thank you. I'll leave I'll leave uh, then a pro tip for your followers because I think a lot of people want insight in the content creation space and they'll shoot their shot via DMs. And then sometimes I think they won't get what they want and they'll wonder why. I'll tell you why, at least in my experience. So if you want to slide into my DMs to ask me for advice, ask a question that is detailed, specific, and shows that you've done your own research. And that's what KJ did. And that's what the people do who I, you know, give real answers to because those are the only questions that I have the, the bandwidth for. So I'll give you an example of a bad one. Sliding into my DMs to be like, hey, I want to become a, a, a good food blogger. How do I do that? That's a question that you got to start there with Google and do like hours and hours of research and figure out what does good mean to you? Where do you want to go? Do you want to make money? Is it really about storytelling? Like all of those things. And then come back to me with a specific question. So don't shoot your shot that way. Slide back later, a few weeks or months later and be like, hey, so I started a food blog. I'm really focused on XYZ. And I was wondering if I could ask you a question because based off of your platform, it looks like you have experience in this area. You're doing a lot of video. Um, could I ask, you know, if you would be willing to share your three top tips for making engaging video content? I can answer that question and it shows me that this person is serious and is not just going to suck all my time and energy, um, but like isn't willing to Google on their own. So that's I'll end it there with my pro tip. Like if you're going to ask for advice from anyone in any sphere, come correct. And you're far more likely to get a real useful response. And with that, I'll say thank you for listening to this very... Uh, fascinating, but random diverse episode of the Fix Your Plate podcast on the Eat, Drink, and Dine network. I'm Anella Malik. You'll find me online at Feed the Malik, and I'm here with KJ Kearney. Find him at Black Food Fridays and leave us a rating, comment, shoot us a DM, give us your feedback. Most importantly, we hope that you are able to take from our offerings and fix yourself a plate.